0: Once saved, I can do whatever I want, because God forgives. Does the Bible really say that? Howdy friends and welcome to His Redemption Roads Season 2. I am your host, Natalie. In this series, we are challenging common beliefs people have and often think are in the Bible to see if they are true or not and ultimately break off chains of religion or tradition to usher us on toward freedom and the road to redemption. So lace up your hiking boots and let's take a stroll toward freedom down his redemption road. All right, friends, the question we have today is, once saved, I can do whatever I want because God forgives. Does the Bible really say that? Honestly, this particular podcast is something that has been stewing in my heart for a long time. I don't feel like I'm able to do this justice. I feel like this is a topic we could sit and chat and talk about for hours and hours on end, sharpening each other, going through the scriptures, and basically just doing a table talk. But since we're not doing that today, I'm going to share with you what's going on with this statement. Once saved, I can do whatever I want. Is that a correct statement? And what does the Bible really say? Other ways I've heard the same phrase reworded is, if I'm saved, I can't be out of God's will. Or... I'm always right and can do no wrong since I am saved by Jesus. Well, when I hear these phrases, the word that sticks out to me the most is I. All of these phrases are about me, 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 and us, us, us. And they simply remove what salvation is and where it comes from. So, salvation, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, is preservation or deliverance from destruction, difficulty, or evil. So, it's a deliverance. It's a source, means, or cause of such preservation or deliverance. It is deliverance from the power or penalty of sin, and it is redemption. So I absolutely love the end of this where it says that salvation is deliverance from the power of sin and it is deliverance from the penalty of sin. Therefore, it is redemption. So salvation basically means we do not have to live under the power of sin. So that's really exciting. Another word I want to define is righteousness and the reason is when i read scripture both old testament and new testament righteousness the need for righteousness the call to righteousness and righteousness as god defines it not as man defines it is sprinkled all throughout i simply these days when i read the new testament honestly every time i read the new testament righteousness jumps out at me all over the pages. So what is righteousness? Well, righteousness, according to the Century Dictionary, is the character of being righteous, purity of heart, and restitude or morality of life. The being and doing right. Righteousness is conformity in character and conduct to a right Standard. It is coming into spiritual oneness with God because, for Christ's sake, the believer in Christ is treated as righteous. It is the quality or state of being righteous, holy, pure, and upright. So, something that I really, really stood out to me in this definition of righteousness is the character it is a it becomes a person's character of being righteous holy pure and upright but it's to a right standard and that right standard if you are a christian it has to be god's standard it's not man's standard it's not society's standard but it is god's standard so then we have if we're dealing with salvation and we're dealing with righteousness and we're asking the question, once saved, I can do whatever I want because I'm forgiven or God has forgiven me, then we need to ask, what is sin and where does it start? Well, according to Matthew 5, sin starts in the heart, which is why Jesus drove home the point about hatred in the heart is the same as murder and lust of the heart is the same as adultery. So God does not look on the outward appearance of man or you or I, but he looks on the heart. That is a huge deal because we can go around and trick and deceive each other of who we are, of our character, of um, the face or the mask that we put on in public versus what we put on in private. Truth be told... As a Christian, you should be exactly the same person in public and in private at all times with no masks. You might wear different hats, meaning you're a mom type at one pers- at one place and you're a wife at another and a minister at another, but your character, the substance and the quality of who you are should be the same across the board. Well, let's go ahead and go to some scriptures. My question here is, once you are saved, do you have to be perfect or are you perfect? And you can go back and listen to one of my podcasts about the spirit, the soul, and the body. It's very important to put um, all the characters of the Bible in their proper place and to understand the three-part man and the three-part yet one-part God in order to fully understand scripture and salvation and sin. So you can go listen to that. But first, let's put to death the belief that only some of the Bible and only some scripture is for us today. Okay, because that is going around. I hear that all the time. The Bible itself says in Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There's that word, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when I hear all scripture, all means all. If I read 2 Timothy 3.16, I cannot go, hey, that means all except this or all except that. No, it means all. And why all scripture? So that the man of God, that's us, little m, it's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about the followers of Jesus. The followers of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. Okay. When we look at and divide the Old Testament from the New Testament, we must remember a few things. In the Old Testament, Jesus had not yet died for the salvation of the world. So believers' salvation was credited to them by their faith. So faith came into action both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Faith, it is by grace through faith that we are saved both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Also in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had not yet come to live inside of God's people as a gift, but rather it would fall on people and leave people. And that is why in the Old Testament, you may read about people begging the Spirit of God to stay upon them. Well, in the New Testament, we have a new covenant that fulfills the Old Testament or the Old Covenant of the New Testament through the perfect life, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus, the Christ or the Messiah. This New Testament covenant did not get rid of the Old Testament, but it does change a few ways in how we see things accomplished today. One of which is that believers, Christians, followers of Christ are now temples of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells in us and goes with us wherever we go, never leaving or forsaking us. Well, this begs the question, if the Holy Spirit or God never leaves us or forsakes us, doesn't that mean that we can no longer sin? Well, no, This is where I have you go listen to my podcast, episode 12 in season one, where I talk about the biblical placement and the difference between the spirit, soul, and body. According to Matthew 26, 41, the spirit, this is our spirit, human beings, spirit as followers of Christ, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and we can fall into temptation it says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This was Jesus talking to his closest followers, his innermost circle, his disciples. These people believe in him. They're following him. They've given up their lives to follow him. They are believers of Christ. He has not died yet, but as believers of Christ, their faith is already credited to them salvation. And it says that they need to watch and pray lest they enter into temptation. So this means a believer can enter into temptation. Also in Galatians 5, 16 through 26 Paul describes how our flesh wars against our spirit. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit. So this is Paul, and he is admonishing believers of Jesus Christ to walk in the spirit. And if you do that, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Okay, so here he's talking to believers. So believers can still have the lusts of the flesh. But we don't want to walk in the lusts of the flesh. We want to walk in the spirit. So he goes on to say, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, why would this scripture say that you are not under the law if you walk by the Spirit? Ah, it says that because the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, who is God, will always fulfill the law. God cannot go against himself. Okay? So if you are walking in the Spirit, you will naturally fulfill the law of God. We're not talking about the hundreds of laws made by man or the Jewish leaders, but rather the law of God. And you are not under the law when you are led by the Spirit, because Jesus came to fulfill the law. And the Holy Spirit within you will never go against the desires of Jesus. If you find yourself acting out in a way that is against Jesus, or against the moral law of God, then you are walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. So let's continue on and read the rest of that scripture. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, here we go. It's a list of the works of the flesh. It says, Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now it goes to do the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's the key part of the scripture. It says, against such there is no law. So there's no law against love or joy or patience or peace. Okay. And then it goes on to say, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So right here, this scripture is saying, Hey, friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to kill the flesh and those desires and those passions, and you have to walk in the spirit. Well, let me tell you something. The key to walking in the spirit is to hearing the voice of God. It's to being quiet. It's to not doing all the talking and start doing a whole lot of listening to what the Lord has to say to you. Another key is, is to fall head over heels in love with God. And let me tell you something, when you realize what you've been saved from, what you've been saved to, and what the Lord did for you, it's easy to fall in love with God. So now I have another question here. If God will never, never leave us or forsake us, Doesn't that mean that I can do whatever I want and always be in his good graces? It's a great question. Well, friends, I want you to consider this. The Bible says that God will never leave or forsake us. But it does not say that we cannot leave or forsake him. We are creatures of free will choice. And we choose to follow him. God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or we choose not to follow him, and not following him is walking in the flesh. There are many, many scriptures that challenge the believer to walk in righteousness, to run the race set before us by God, to continue on the narrow road, and to continue to the end. Now, this is not a... Lesson or a topic saying, Oh, you fall in and out of salvation. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, What we are talking about is that when you love Jesus, you're not going to desire to do the wrong things. Yeah, you may still sin and you may still mess up. You may still do something in the flesh. Um, But when you do, you're going to go. You're going to repent. You're going to go to God and say, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that anymore. Help me. To be the person walking in righteousness that you have created me to be. In Hebrews it says, Let your conduct be without covetedness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's Hebrews thirteen five. And the above scripture is quoting Deuteronomy thirty one six, where God tells Joshua be strong and of good courage do not fear nor be afraid of them for the lord your god he is the one who goes with you he will not leave you or forsake you so we see both in the old testament and the new testament the proclamation that god will never leave nor earth, nor forsake the follower of himself what's really great about this is that he goes with us and he goes before us. And we don't have to be afraid. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to say, no, I don't want to do that thing. Or they're afraid to tell their friend or family or the world, well, I'm going to stand up for righteousness. I'm not going to do the thing you're asking me to do that's unrighteous. But friends, God's gone before you and he goes with you and you can stand up for righteousness and you can be sure that God's got your back. In Second Timothy three one through seven and twelve through seventeen, we see the warning of those chasing after the flesh versus those living by the Spirit. It says, "But know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers." Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power i'm going to pause there people calling themselves christians and going to church and saying they believe in jesus but they deny the power he gives us to be transformed renewed healed miracles to take place to be set apart and to be new creatures wow and the scripture says from such people turn away so from which people from that that we just read from the proud the unholy the unforgiving those without self-control the headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure those that have a form of godliness but deny its power it says from those people turn away the scripture then goes on to say for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Okay, we'll pause here. Why are they always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth? Because they are learning with their heads. It's head knowledge. They can spout scripture. They can maybe preach a good message. But they've never come to the knowledge of truth, which Jesus is the truth, because they are learning in the flesh. The Bible tells us that the word of God is spirit and can only be learned by the spirit. You can go to uh, my last episode, episode five and season two about study and learn more about what that means. But also you can learn about it here in 1 Corinthians 2.14. It says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now I want to stop and say that there are various forms of persecution. But if you do not experience persecution in some form sprinkled through your Christian life, you need to ask yourself and God if you're truly following him and living for righteousness. Because righteousness, it's like a coarse sandpaper rubbing against the unrighteous. And they don't like it. And they will call you out. They will mock you. They will revile you in some way, shape, or form about your righteousness or against your righteousness at some point in time or multiple points in time in your walk with Christ. Okay, the scripture goes on to say But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. So that's key. They're not just deceiving. They're actually being deceived by themselves, but you must continue. Well, that insinuates that you can also not continue. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing From whom you have learned them, that would be the Holy Spirit. And that from childhood or the moment you were saved, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So we go back and we remember that all Scripture, here we go, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That last part is key because if you are not learning by the Spirit and using all Scripture then you are missing much of the doctrine that God has for you. You cannot pick and choose scriptures. Throwing some out is not for us, but rather you must discern through the Spirit how to allow the scriptures to teach you. Hebrews twelve one and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this scripture is talking to believers and it's admonishing us to not be entangled in sin, but to run the race, looking at Jesus, keeping our eyes on him because he kept his eyes on us when he faced the cross. We were the joy that was set before him, the salvation of many. If a person thinks that they can come to Jesus, so-called, in quotes, to receive a, quote, get out of hell free card, but not love Jesus, not be renewed by the Holy Spirit, and not begin the journey of sanctification, which is to be purified, made holy, and to conform their heart and life to the will of God. Then that person is only fooling themselves. James 2.14-26 through 26 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them Depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body what does it profit thus also by faith it also faith by itself if it does not have works it is dead but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works you believe that there is one god you do well guess what even the demons believe and tremble but do you want to know o oh foolish man that faith without works is dead was abraham not was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son on the altar Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God? You see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith only, Likewise was not Rahab, the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So the question is, do works save you? No. But the works prove that you are saved. Just as an individual sin proves that that you inherited sin nature and are a sinner in need of a savior works that are not forced or strived toward but that rather take place in an act of joy as an overflow of the grace and love inside of you as a follower of jesus those works prove that you have faith in that same jesus so get this Works are not simply good deeds that a person does in life that is recognized by others, such as feeding and giving clothes to the poor or changing someone's flat tire on the side of the road. Yes, those things can be works, but works are actually the daily words and actions of your character. What comes out of you when times are good and when times are bad? Works are often the fruit of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. These things spur us on toward righteousness. Because how can a person live righteously under God's definition of righteousness if they're not kind and good and exhibit self control? How can a person give freely without grudge if they don't have joy and love? See, these works are not listed items on a checklist that you accomplish. Instead, these works are woven into the daily heart and fabric of your life as a person who is in love with Jesus. That's the faith without works is dead. If you don't have overflow of works woven through your life, then do you really have faith in Jesus? So the question is, once saved, I can do whatever I want because God forgives. And the answer is no. If you think and live with that mindset, you need to ask yourself if you have deceived yourself and if you are truly saved. For although a saved person is not perfect and sinless, they are convicted and convinced by the holy spirit to follow jesus and do the will of god they are not free to sin but rather they are free from the bondage of sin and can now live chasing after the things of the lord friends we are called to count the cost of our salvation following jesus because there is a great cost to each of us personally not only the cost of what Jesus paid by leaving his home in heaven, coming to live a perfect life as a man here on earth, being beaten, scourged, and dying a gruesome death on a cross, bearing the sins of the world, and raising again three days later. That was not the only cost. It is the only payment for death and sin. It is the only way to heaven through Christ Jesus, who is God, and paid for that payment of death and sin. But it is not the only cost. Our part in the cost is to cast off the worldly lusts of the flesh, to take up the life in the Spirit and follow Jesus in His ways and what He says is true. Counting the cost is agreeing to the terms set before you by God, to be a follower of Christ. That is why in Luke fourteen twenty-eight we are admonished to count the cost of following Jesus just as a builder would count the cost before starting a building project to be sure that he could complete what he started. Friends, we are called to count the cost and follow Jesus all the way to the end of Our project, which is all the way through to our last breath here on earth. And the key is to fall in love with Jesus. I'm going to leave you with a vision that I had on Sunday, November 6th, 2022, that I call bright squares of fire. I closed my eyes and I saw bright squares of fire, almost in a grid-like pattern in my eyesight and i heard these words you are seeing hot spots of my glory where my people have let go of the flesh and yanked my spirit down from heaven do the same where you are yank my glory down fill the place with fire crush the forces of darkness with light Let me burn up the spirits of apathy, confusion, doubt, and unbelief. I am God. I am God. Not you. Not your circumstances. Not your diagnosis. Not your feelings. Not the people, places, or things around you. But me. I am God. Let me in. So I can rule as king. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are God. I thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. And that freedom is not for us to go chase after sin and do what we want. But that freedom is for us to no longer be entrapped by the bondage and the chains of sin. So we can chase after righteousness and live for you. Lord, do burn up the spirits of apathy, confusion, doubt, and unbelief. Let us ignite the fire of your glory and carry the kingdom of heaven wherever we go. If there is anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that today they would call on the name of Jesus, that they would be saved and that they would chase after you all the days of their life. Lord, walk with us, guide us, lead us, help us to hear your voice and to fall more and more in love with you each and every day. Be our king and help us to walk in obedience to the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your engagement will help others find us. You can stay connected with me on Facebook or Instagram at His Redemption Road. Have an amazing week in the Lord and be blessed everywhere you go.